Hello, hello. I am Karen Jean-François, and this is the Women in Data podcast, a podcast where every other week I interview some of the most inspiring women working in data. They discuss how data is used in various industries, share their knowledge and experience in the field, and equip you with tips to help you overcome challenges on your career and feel great. Let's get straight to it. I am joined today by Verla van Lempot, Managing Director at Analytic Health. With a background in data science, Verla always knew that she wouldn't be satisfied by working full-time for an employer. Starting as a graduate with a company where she was the only data scientist didn't help and she felt like she could only rely on herself to grow. This was until she met Greg, her current business partner. In this episode, Verla shares her story from employee to freelancer to managing director, all within the early stages of her career. You will hear about her motivations, how she made it happen, the challenges she faced, and her best tips to succeed as a freelancer or as a data scientist managing a small business. There is something for everyone in this installment, from newcomers trying to find their first role to individuals trying to find clients, price themselves, and find projects. Hi, Ferre. Welcome on the Women in Data podcast. Thank you, Karen. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> it's such a pleasure to have you with me. And we've had some, I was I was going to say offline conversations, but no, they were online, just not recorded conversations in the past. And I'm, I am so excited to bring you on the podcast today because you have so much to share and I can't wait for that. So before we get into today's episode and today's topic, can I invite you to introduce yourself? Yes. So I'm Verle. I'm Managing Director at Analytic Health. And Analytic Health is a UK-based startup. Together with my business partner, Greg, and our head of operations, Jana, we gather and analyze data uh, from the UK healthcare market. We believe we can accelerate innovation in healthcare by providing companies access to high-quality data and giving healthcare professionals the tools they need to analyze that data. Healthcare companies spend like massive amounts of time of trying to gather, analyze, clean the data themselves. And we do that work for them so they can focus on what really matters, namely bringing innovation to the healthcare market. And in order to do that, we have two applications. One application, Farmly Cloud Data, is focused at giving access to all kinds of UK healthcare data sets in one place. So it's a data marketplace. And the other application, Farmly Analytics, is about bringing analytics on top of that data. So that basically gives you an overview of the market. I joined the company one and a half years ago when um, I met Greg. Um, I worked first there as a consultant. And last year, uh, so in March last year, we became business partners. And since then, I am uh, also running the business from that perspective. Yeah, I I love that you just met him as a consultant and now you're properly part of the business and helping him develop the business in the UK while being in the Netherlands. So you mentioned you were a consultant and something that I think you didn't say in your introduction, but I am going to say it, is that your background is in data science and now you're actually running a business. 
this is what I would like to talk about in this episode, particularly because healthcare data is exciting. But this thing that I'm really curious to hear your experience on is moving from this end-on data science towards the business management and creating your own business and, and all these things. And why I believe this is very interesting is that in data science and in data analysis, we have these internal battle, I want to say, where it's, oh, where do I go? Do I go technical? Do I go management? Where do I position myself in the market? And also letting go, if you go towards leadership, which is what you've done, how do you actually let go of all these technical things? And how do you feel about that? Before being a managing director, you you created your own business as a consultant. So maybe we can start talking about that first and then just describe your journey where you started and then how everything happened. Yeah. So indeed, I am a data scientist and I have a master's degree in data science. I graduated like in 2015 uh, from university. And once I graduated as a master in data science, I was there, a data scientist. So logically, I chose the way very technical in the beginning. I started joining companies as data scientists, really getting into the data, really on the analyzing part of things. And I worked like two, three years at, at companies. And I always felt that there was more than working for a company. I always had this urge to do something for myself, to bring in my own ideas and follow them. I always felt kind of maybe caged at companies. So I always had this idea of, okay, I want to start my own business. I, I want to do that. So what I did uh, was besides working for an employer, I started to have my side business. So in this side business, I started to um, do some freelance work with regards to data science, still being very technical. So I helped other companies or people with their projects. I learned them how to program. I did mentoring kind of things, like doing that on the side. And while doing that on the side, being as an employer, I had kind of financial security to actually do that. And on the other hand, I built up a client base of people that I occasionally worked with, like a couple of hours per week. Sorry, I'm really curious to hear about, because you were doing that as a side business. How did your company, so the company you were working for, react to that? Yeah, so obviously I, I told them that I wasn't going to do it and we just made up an agreement that it was okay to do it. I was not allowed to do it for companies that were direct competitors of the company where I worked with at the time. That makes kind of sense. But I, I wasn't doing that at all. So that was not really a, an issue. And they always supported it because, and I think every employer should, these side projects that your employees are doing um, help them to professionally expand. They help them to gain experience. They help them to gain fresh insights on problems, which might actually help the company itself as well. So I think it was great that the company that I worked for at the time also gave me the freedom to like explore other things besides doing my day-to-day -day job. So I was very lucky to be just able to do that. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. It's a bit like me. So it's not, it's a bit different because podcast is not a business for me, but well, not at the moment, at least. But, you know, having the podcast on the side definitely opens me to a new horizon. And, uh, Cardi6 is very supportive of, of that as well. Did you have to go part time? Because I'm thinking doing data science at the company you were working at and doing data science on the side as well. You had to be super busy. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was super busy, but I didn't go the really traditional path of like a young graduate because I never had the intention to work full time anywhere. Um, so I started part time to begin with. And I think that deeply down, I always had this feeling of, I know I'm going to do something else as well. I know I'm not built to do this like 40 hours per week. So I started off part time and that's why I also had a bit more freedom to explore other things besides my main job, so to say. Yeah, I'm impressed because you did all that very early on in in your career and now you're a managing director and I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> uh, how did that happen? So this is how you created your side business, I guess, and then it grew from there. So you were saying you built your client base and how did you transition from working part-time for a company and having your side consultancy uh, to being on your own fully? Yeah, so uh, one of the clients that I did meet at that time was Greg, my current business partner, and we liked working together. And while his company grew, I grew with him, so to say. So we started working together more and more. And at a certain point in time, I could decide for myself, okay, including this client, Greg, at the time, I now have enough clients to actually go full time for myself. And at that point in time, I was still thinking, okay, I'm going to freelance for myself on a full time basis. And I did that like two months, three months or something. And I just felt that I, me and Greg worked so well together um, that we started conversations about, okay, we should really go into business together because we're basically already working full time. We both like it. I always underestimated the value of working together with somebody. When I was full-time uh, in the consultancy or started to work full-time as a free freelancer, I thought, well, it would be great to just work on my own, not uh, having to report to anybody and just do whatever I want. I honestly thought that was, that was it. That was how I would spend the rest of my days, basically, uh, choosing my own projects. But I really undervalued that, as I said, because when I worked together with my current business partner on a regular basis, I really saw that if you can find people around you that really lift you up and that really like help you to grow and together you can achieve more than on your own. And that's actually something that I somehow didn't experience at any of my employers before, that you could be having such a, a team around you or people around you that can actually help you to achieve more than you would on your own. And I think just because we worked so well and just because we both felt that we like could achieve more together, we just it made sense to go in business together as well. So I had a very short period of time where I actually was a full-time freelancer and then very quickly, I, I joined Analytic Health in March last year to, to be managing director there. It's crazy that you, you felt like actually to grow and do great things, you had to be on your own because you couldn't feel the, the support from your previous company. I feel like this happens very often, but I had this issue in the past as well. But then I, I realized, you know, depending on the culture of the company, it can be a very different experience as well. So there are some companies that invest quite a lot into career development and personal development for their employees. And that, that makes a big difference because as you said, you know, if you have someone else to bounce back ideas, to work together and someone who has a bit more experience than you to help you grow, it's a bit like the mentor-mentee situation, right? So really having someone who can get you to where, help you get to where you want to be is 
is really great. And I do believe that although we all feel like, especially as data scientists, sometimes we're like, oh, I just want to be on my own doing my <laughs> my own thing. Um, having someone else working with you is very important. So teamwork and and really supporting each other is is key. Yeah. And you know what? A lot of companies want to get into data science, especially one or two years ago. Everybody needed to do something with data science. But these companies didn't have data science teams or data science departments, and they start hiring an individual data scientist. So at the companies where I worked previously, I was the lone data scientist who didn't have a team around her. So that also makes it a bit difficult, obviously, to as a young professional to learn stuff and to experience stuff because you are you are your team, you yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so that really depends on the company. Yes. Yeah, especially at the start, if you start and you're the only data scientist, uh, you have to figure. Well, I guess that's something that you like, you know, figuring it out. Uh, by yourself from the beginning till the end but I I do feel like as a graduate having a bit of support and working with someone who knows about data science and how data can support the business is quite important. You worked as a freelancer as a data scientist and now you're actually running a business. Uh, how well? I want to say how different is that but clearly it's going to be very different but if you could tell me how you experience the differences and how that feels for you as a data scientist. Yeah, so I think working as a data scientist, my tasks were very focused. It was namely doing data science. And while that is not as specific, you kind of know what that entails, namely modeling data. In most of my roles, it was also gathering and cleaning data. But it was all about working with data, developing, being behind your computer, etc. Today, when I'm running a business as a managing director, I obviously have a way more diverse task set <laughs> because I need to run a business. I'm involved with strategy. I'm involved with marketing, with finance, but also still part development, but also managing other developers. So it's a very diverse combination of managing things in general and doing still a bit specific things. I mean, we are still in the startup phase of our company, which means that a lot of the things that we do, we need to do ourselves. So like all the small stuff that you normally would have a team for or like individuals who would do things for you, um, you need to do that on your own. So every hour basically is is different. And I can do everything as broad from, okay, one day we have a strategy meeting about what are we going to do next year with the company. And uh, the next day I'm working on a model, like uh, really machine learning. And then the other day I'm building an app. So it's like very, very different every day. And that means you're still quite hands-on a bit on data science. Yes, I'm still hands-on. So there are still days that I would program myself or that I would build apps or, yeah, really getting into the stuff. Yeah, and I I guess although you're doing that is not as much as you used to do in, in the past. So how did you feel about this transition on being full-on 100% of the time coding and doing data science to letting go of that part and delegating it to other people? Sometimes it's a bit difficult, you know, to let go. Um, 
I think especially when you're just starting a business, especially a business that is growing, you feel at the beginning it's very difficult to let other people handle it because it's kind of your baby and your thing. So it's very difficult to let stuff go. So you end up doing everything yourself and then you're working like 10, 12 hours per day. So yeah, I think growing as an entrepreneur and growing as a business owner You need to learn to let go of certain stuff and indeed delegate to other developers or just make room really for other people to help you out to really let your company grow. And sometimes that is still difficult. I'm sometimes also wondering, you know, I call myself still a data scientist, but I'm not sure if that's the case anymore because I'm not. I'm a business owner and I'm not a data scientist. I have the knowledge of a data scientist. I sometimes still do things that a data scientist does. But the majority of the part, I'm just running a business. And that's not being a data scientist, really. Yeah. So you run a data science business. <laughs> yes, you could call it. Yeah. <laughs> so in your journey, what kind of challenges did you face? So you touched on when you started working, being the sole data scientist in your team and feeling a bit isolated and not as supported as, as you would have liked, feeling like you were a bit limited in what you could do. But what other challenges did you face? Yeah, I think the main challenges were the lack of, of support, like uh, being involved in companies that don't know that much about data science yet and then still doing something with data science. That, that feels a bit alone as a data scientist. And I think it would be great if, as a graduate, you spend some time doing some research at the company that you're going to work with about, okay, what is the environment like? Are there any other data scientists? Are there any other more senior people that I can learn from? And I didn't do that at the beginning. I was just like, ooh, nice company. Oh, this, this is like <laughs> a great role. Let's do that. I, I wasn't really thinking about that. So that was... Um, That was a major challenge when working for an employer. Then there are obviously tons of challenges I had faced when I was a freelancer and now when I have my own business. I think as freelancer, you have challenges, okay, where, where to find people, where to find clients. Also, how do I price myself? How do I value myself? What I'm going to ask? And then now as a business, it's also... You have challenges like, okay, what is the best growth strategy for a company? Uh, where do we need to go? How do we focus? How do we make sure that we get not caught up in day-to-day -day business, but also still work on our longer-term goals? Really, a ton of challenges and not everything you can overcome like within a week. Um, it's good that you recognize them and that you work on them, but it's also a work in progress to actually overcome these kind of challenges. You constantly need to look at, okay, what can I improve? How can we be better? But you will never be challenge-free, ever. Challenge-free life sounds like a dream, but then if there is no challenge, you can't grow, right? And I would like to touch quickly on the, you know, valuing yourself and pricing yourself. But before I get into that question, just something I would like to come back on is when you mentioned the fact that graduates should really research the company and then find out what kind of team is is there. At the moment, I'm, well, at, when this episode is live, maybe it will have been ready. Uh, I'm working on building a three hours workshop for university students. And this is part of it, you know, so really understanding what kind of business you're getting into, because it just feels like, okay, I'm going to work. They're recruiting a data scientist. That means that they know what they're doing. Not everybody knows what they're doing with data science. And very often, if you join a small business, particularly, you might have to work with people who don't know anything about data science. They don't have a background in data science or data. 
and they haven't touched the data <laughs> database, for example. And and that can be quite, I guess it depends on your personality and, and what you want to do, but being aware that there is a possibility that you're going to have to figure everything out and educate people in the business. So yeah, uh, sorry you had to find out the, the hard way, but it's very impactful that you're actually sharing that here so that people who are aspiring to start a career in the field know that this might be the case. So research where you're going and what the team looks like. But back to valuing yourself, <laughs> I, I guess it, it's a really hard one, right? So to be able to price yourself correctly and making sure that you're picking the projects that work for you, especially if you early on in your career going freelancing, how did you get around that? I think that also involves a lot of research. You need to see what people around you are doing in the country you're working I mean, pricing is very different, uh, for example, for freelancers in the US, then in Europe, then in uh, India or in Asia. So you need to do some proper research in your own market. What's like the general pricing for a consultant? And then you can get some kind of range. But I think the mistake that a lot of people make when they start freelancing is thinking, okay, I need a job. So if I set my price as low as possible, then the jobs will come on its own and I do work. I do a lot of work for not so much money, but that's okay because it's just a starting phase. I don't really agree, especially in the field of data science, work that's being done there is valued and it is high value work that you're doing. So you should price accordingly. And I actually think it's a bad image for yourself if you're just selling yourself for, let's say, very cheaply because that means that you also don't value the work you're doing apparently so don't make the mistake of doing that too low also don't pick a price that like the top consultants with uh, uh, 20 plus uh, years of experience set you know but pick a decent price not too low not too high but a good average and um, do some research about it talk to other freelancers in the same market um, also talk uh, to other companies perhaps and, and find out what they are paying on average for a freelancer. And that will give you a good range of, of where to start. As a freelancer, you also might be very tempted to say that everything that comes along on your path, like every project, every client, that you, you feel that you need to say yes, because after all, you're just starting a business and you need to grow it and you don't um, have the, the financial freedom yet to say no. But do pick out the things that really suit you instead of just picking everything that, that comes at you because you know where your strength lies. And if you choose projects where your strength doesn't lie or projects that you're not really passionate about, that will eventually show in your work. Plus, it will make your work less enjoyable. So you can be picky, you know. Um, for example, in the beginning, I really don't like statistics. Uh, sorry, but <laughs> I, uh, I'm a data scientist, but I don't like statistics. And um, when I was just starting with freelance, a lot of people came to me with like very statistical questions or projects involving heavily statistics. And I kind of felt that I needed to say, yes, okay, let's do that because I can. I, I have a proper statistical knowledge, but did I enjoy it? Nah, not really. Um, so if I would go back, I wouldn't do that again because it also hurts kind of of the passion and like the purpose of why um, you're doing it. So you can be picky with regards to price and to content. Yeah. And if you're doing something you're not enjoying, then 
it's not long until you're going to think that maybe this is not what you should be doing, right? Uh, but that that's super <laughs> that's super interesting, and I love the fact that you openly admit that you don't like statistics. You know, data science has so many different branches. I, I guess you can do so many different things in in the field. And knowing that okay, statistics is not the one for you. You have to do something else. <laughs> yeah. It's great that you are able to identify that and actually own it. <laughs> <laughs> but so you you spoke about you know the fact that you shouldn't be undervaluing or overvaluing yourself and you should really choose the projects that that play by that helps you play by your strengths and things that you like uh, but how do you find clients well where you can find clients um in today's world online obviously <laughs> um but then there, there are different ways. I think LinkedIn is was of huge value to me just because by using LinkedIn a proper way, so also creating content on LinkedIn, you can show what your expertise is and where your strength lies. And if you do that in a consistent way, so you consistently post like real content on LinkedIn, um, you will get people who value that and who see, okay, apparently she knows something about this and this. And you start having conversations with people or just connect with people. You know, it doesn't necessarily need to lead to um, a contract straight away, but building your network with people around you in the same field or people who have interest in data science can help a lot. And then um, I was also uh, active on like these platforms. You have freelance platforms. You have them in every country for a country specific, but you uh, also have like these general platforms like Upwork, for example, where you can uh, find jobs. Um, it's a very competitive market on there. So it is difficult to get the right jobs there, but with a little bit of investment, you could also find good jobs um, on those platforms. And that's how I like client by client build my client base really because it is true that if you do something for a person or a company and they like what you're doing then the next time they will ask you again so even if it's like a really small job maybe somebody asks you to jump on a call and explain something for 60 minutes might not seem like a huge project or a huge win for your company but if they come week after week with questions and eventually with, hey, uh, we have a project and we talked about you because we know you, you know, that helps. So how small it is if you like it and if you see, okay, might be good for yourself just to learn more, but also um, uh, for future collaboration, just take that. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great tip. And I wanted to add on your the use of LinkedIn. So you mentioned the fact that, you know, creating content and also connecting with people. And something you said that is very important is, you know, you might chat with someone on LinkedIn and it might not result to anything, but the connections that that you make are, are very important. So, it's, so again, this idea of building your network, right? And I, I actually, a f couple of years back, I joined a LinkedIn training on how to use LinkedIn and, and all these things. And what they were saying was, you shouldn't contact someone on LinkedIn being like, hey, I'm selling this. You should contact them in the idea of, building a long-term relationship. Uh, so having this relationship, introducing yourself, building this relationship, and then eventually maybe one day that will turn into a business partnership. And it feels like this is what you've been doing. So it, it's great to see the theory in practice, I, I guess, into action. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's just about creating. I, for example, create a lot of content on programming languages like R or Shiny, um, at which the time I uh, also provided consultancy services in. So, you know, displaying myself as somebody who I just love the R community to begin with. So I just post a lot about that. But also it's a way for you to say, okay, I know something about this. And you will see that that people over time, you encounter them on occasions because they have questions or want to share thoughts. And yeah, you can really build a community because sometimes people think, ah, it's just social media, you know, yeah. <laughs> everybody says do something with LinkedIn, but they don't see the real value, but there is, but you need to put in some effort at least. A lot of effort. <laughs> Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> to close this episode, do you have anything that you read or listen to that helps you in your career development and personal development? Well, then I can come back to, to LinkedIn again. For me, honestly, um, that's the, the platform where I learn at this point in time the most, just because I also connect with a lot of people that are active in the data science space or in the healthcare space. And seeing posts from them um, or, or interacting with them and chatting with them, I just learn a lot. So social media is one of the, of the sources that help me with staying up to date about new developments in data science or new packages that come available for, for languages. But then I can also uh, recommend a book that actually um, we did read for a time uh, with uh, uh, my company, so with my business partner uh, and our head of operations. And it's called The Art of Thinking Clearly from Rolf the Belly. And this book contains like little chapters, maybe just two, three pages long about uh, like general concepts about how you could maybe improve um, your life or improve your business. And what we did as a company was like pick out a chapter each week and then discuss it internally because the chapters in that book are real conversation starters. It's our real uh, conversations about broader concepts like how does, um, does it work if you need to persuade somebody or how does it work to build uh, confidence or trust, you know, and talking about these little chapters just helped us to I don't know, explore these these concepts in a business context. So that is um, a really good book. Especially if they're short chapters, so you can just read through them quickly and then have this um, conversation. That that sounds great. I might, I might check it out. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening to the Women in Data podcast. We will be back in a couple of weeks with a new guest. Until then, if you have two minutes, it would be great if you could leave us a rating or a review as it helps not only to make the podcast more visible, but also to enhance the content. If you don't want to miss the next episode, follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We are also on LinkedIn. And if you wish to, you can even register to the community for free. All you have to do is head to womenindata.co.uk. Have a great day.